The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, and thanks for joining me today for the show. Kind of a crazy rainstorm that I'm experiencing here in San Diego. (laughs) So today I'm doing the show live. You know, most of the time I do live radio just because I'm I'm an old radio dog and that's just like to do it. You know, I like to do live radio. I like having the opportunity of, you know, maybe interacting with people, having some callers on the show. Sometimes I do tape it. I do that too. You know, whatever, whatever works. But today we're doing it live and we happen to be having this unbelievably hellacious rainstorm going on here in Southern California, which never happens. So if you get to hear thunder in the background, that's just kind of a little extra added bonus on today's show. So I'm glad that you joined me. I'm looking forward to my conversation today. And if you've listened to me for a little while, or maybe you heard me on Hay House, you know, in the past, I've always mentioned that I love biographies. I love memoirs. I love people's stories. And remember back in the day when newspapers were a thing, you know, newspapers existed. I know they're still out there, but I mean, really, when's the last time you read a newspaper? One of my favorite things in the newspaper is the obituaries. And I would flip to those all the time because I love to read people's stories and read about people's lives. And I got to spend some time with a memoir that we're going to be talking about today, a very honest and personal story from my guest, And I really learned a lot and I related to a lot of it and I think you will too. So my guest today is Patricia Love. And on her website, if you check it out, she calls herself the Ra-Ra Coach. And she is an NLP master and EFT and TFT practitioner. So reading over her website, And checking out all of her accomplishments, you'd think, wow, well, she has it all together. She knows what's going on. Well, she does now, of course, but it was a long road of self-inquiry to get where she is today. And I just finished her new book. It's called Seen and Unheard, and it will be released later on this month. And Patricia shares her deeply personal story, and she offers inspiration for anyone who is feeling ignored, disregarded, and made to feel worthless. So I'm really happy to welcome her today. Patricia, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Diane. This is a, I'm honored to be here and I'm honored to talk about my story and uh, whatever I can do to help and support others. I, I'm just thrilled to be here. Well, I'm really glad that you could join us and, and talk about it. And I just finished the book last night and I related to it on so many levels, uh, your family story and your personal story. And why did you feel now was a good time to put this out there? Why at this time in your life? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, it's actually been on the back burner, like a lot of people who, who, who want to write their stories or write a book, but it just never came to fruition. I just kept saying, oh, I'll do it next year. Oh, I'll do it next year. And this last year with COVID and everything going on, you know, there's a, there was a lot of interest, introspective on uh, from people. And I thought, this is a great opportunity for me to really release this because I felt there was just something left over from my story and that needed to be released. And I needed to feel vulnerable in some ways because I really needed to finally release my, I guess my final toxicity, you might say, and be more vulnerable. And I needed to do that. I needed to open myself up and, and writing the book really allowed me to open up more, be that vulnerable self rather than always being that strong feeling I always have to be that strong person even though I've really over the last 12 years or so really really worked on that it was just kind of like the the last little release and it uh it was very emotional when I wrote it I will tell you that because you know when you're writing stories about things and it brings up a lot of different things in some cases you actually kind of forgot about right so was this past year you know being uh, in lockdown with COVID and dealing with all that, was that kind of the final incubation period for the book? I mean, I know you said you had, it had been a long time coming, but maybe having the time to concentrate on that over the past year, did that help to kind of bring it, you know, bring it to life? 
Yeah, it, it really did. I, it, it gave me more time to contemplate. But also, I, you know, my story is I grew up kind of alone, uh, mentally abandoned. And um, this this whole year, when I kept hearing about people, you know, feeling alone and all that, I was actually feeling a little more comfortable because this is where I was used to being. And so I could actually thrive in it. And I felt I needed to take this time and really you know, thrive as far as myself, even um, growing even more, because I believe now that I need to continually grow. And it just seemed like the perfect time with everything going on. And, and especially with women's voices not being heard, you know, we're always, uh, we always are talking about that now and like trying to bring our voices out so we can be equal and heard. It just seemed like the right time to bring it out. And I was hoping that you know, my stories, which, you know, the book is my memoir and it's about my stories, but I always feel that other people's have maybe similar stories. And it was just time to get it out for people to to really start listening to their own inner child and in hearing their voice within. And so giving them permission that they too need to be heard. And I just, it was just time and I, it, I just did it. And I did it in like three months. <laughs> wow. Well, the book is a very honest memoir and I can I can definitely say that yes a lot of women will relate <laughs> to this story because I I think that we're probably very close to the same age and um, I related to a lot of your experiences and um, you mentioned that you were alone a lot you know growing up is that some of your earliest memories of you know in childhood was it kind of being alone and you called yourself a latchkey kid. Yeah, yes. Well, uh, for those who are not familiar with that that terminology, last key kids were kids that uh, parents worked, and then you came home to an empty house, and so you had your own key to get in. Then uh, I was definitely one of those. But you know, I was actually the youngest of three kids, uh, but the, my siblings were much older than I was, and the eight to nine, eight to ten years older. So I basically grew up on my own. And my mom was an alcoholic and my dad was just, he was always working and he just was emotionally unavailable. So when I say grew up alone, I didn't have that emotional, uh, uh, you know, love that was surround most kids and so that they would actually um, grow and, 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 you know, really be inspired. I just really had to kind of figure things out for my own. So I learned to be alone because you learn you know, what you live. And that's what I, all I knew was, okay, I'm alone. Mom, they're gone. Mom's drinking. I don't know what's going on. Because uh, when you're young, when you're five, six, seven, you don't really understand what it is. You just kind of know that you're alone and you feel alone besides that. Did I have some friends? Absolutely. But as you grow up and kind of in that nine, 10, 11 years of age, you start feeling like you're rejected. Um, and that comes out later in life, as, as some of my stories um, I told, because you feel like you're just um, you don't matter because no one is really giving you any emotional strength. But at the time, you don't understand that. Right. You don't understand that as a seven year old or eight year old, like I'm supposed to get emotional strength from my parents. I just think I'm not loved. So that's kind of how it goes. And it was I was just kind of just grew up on my own um, and never was pushed or inspired or encouraged to be anything. So I just kind of like, you know, kind of just left it there and just kind of just waffled through life, you might say. Right. You know, I thought that comment that you made in the book was really interesting because I remember growing up myself that my my parents never really pushed or encouraged a lot of things either. You know, so so I ended up trying a lot of different things, but they were supportive. Like like once I would start something, they would support it, although sometimes they didn't like everything. But right. I do remember that. Like I know some kids grew up where their parents were like, oh, you, you know, you have musical ability here. We're going to support you and give you lessons and all that stuff. Or you could dance or uh, another talent like that. And so I, I related to that when you said that, because I, I don't remember really yeah being i just never was supported supporting i wanted you know? to do you know right. I, I just you right. know i didn't have that support uh because basically growing up my mom who was around sometimes uh was if she was there she was 
want me to go visit my friends or get rid of me because that was when she could drink. So I just wasn't supported in anything that was, you know, that I thought was exciting. They didn't even really care to hear about it. So they didn't really listen. There were, there was no support or really listening um, that I can remember. And you said you were the youngest of, of three with much older siblings. Were you ever told that it was an accident or because that can have real implications too? Well, yes, I actually was told it was, you know, it was an accident because the set, it's, oh, that's interesting you brought that up. And I really didn't bring that up in the book because there's, you know, so many things I could have brought up. But um, my brother actually went after he was born, he was born like what he was born, like two pounds and barely lived. And my mother had a very, very tough time. And so the doctors told her that she should not have any more children. And so then, what, eight years later, here comes Patricia, <laughs> you know, and uh, so, you know, being told that story it does kind of give you, make you a feeling of, you know, oh, okay, well, I guess I was a slight accident. That didn't seem to portray as much into my life as I thought it would, though. But I, I do think about that once in a while, because um, I always like would make a joke about it, like, well, yeah, it's a good accident, right? <laughs> you know. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, all that kind of stuff plays into a kid's mind, and and people or or parents and and they don't realize the things they say and the things they don't do, you might say, um, that actually uh, help the growth of a child's mental and everything. So, because your mental growth is so important, you know, when you're young and growing into your teens, because otherwise, which I did, behavioral problems began. And because of the lack of love and uh, being rejected, feeling alone, uh, and just feeling that I wasn't loved. So I was always constantly looking for that and striving for that, but not getting it. Right. And what I thought was interesting throughout the book, you know, beliefs and patterns that are instilled at a very young age will come out and man manifest and show themselves a lot of different ways growing up in your relationships with other people, you know, personal as well as just, you know, regular friendships and, and things like that. So it's interesting when you trace those things back, you know, the root of that, the, the words that are important, the things that you're told. And in the book, you share a really powerful memory from when you were a child that kind of solidified the message that, okay, you should only speak when spoken to. Little girls should, quote, act right, you know, be good girls, yeah. that kind of thing. And and that really made an impact. And I, I was wondering if you could share that memory with us. Yes, that was when I was three years of age. Uh, that that was the beginning that I remember because I always kind of remember being very um, out there, uh, very courageous, you know, very fun and and smiling all the time. And I, you know, I remember was walking down the street with my mom and my sister at the time, and this um, older black woman, you know, basically stopped and just said, "You have a, you know, a beautiful child," and 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 the such. And I just kind of turned and I said, "Yes." And did you notice my eyelashes? And it, my mother was just like beside herself, literally beside herself that I would actually say this. And I also asked the lady why she was so black. And so it was like, oh my God, my, my mom was like, you know, did my child just actually say this? Well, the, the, uh, the black lady was the kindest person. And she just said, you know, um, I'm that's, you know, I'm black because that's the way I was born. And yes, you do have beautiful eyelashes. And and then we went on our way. Well, my mother, just about a half a block down the down the street, just turned to me and basically says, with her finger in my face, you never, ever do that again. You are to be seen and not heard. You embarrassed me. You know, how could you do that into that lady? You know, and all of this. And I just kind of went into a shell like, oh, my God, I just hurt my mom. What did I do wrong? I thought I was, you know, I was just being my vivacious little self. I thought, I thought it was having fun. We were all skipping down the street at that time. And um, it was the longest uh, car ride home um, that I say in the, in the, uh, in the book. And my sister, who was my angel and is, who uh, was 10 years older than I was, she basically, and she was kind of the quiet one, but she knew 
how I felt. And she always kind of protected me. And she just put her arm around me. And I just knew that, you know, um, she was comforting me. But from then on, I just felt I, I, I can't speak because I might say something wrong. So that's where that rejection that, you know, starts to come in. So that that little kid that's skipping around and you say you can't do that or no, you can't do this. It starts really putting, um, you know, rules on these kids and not only rules, but just, you know, you can't do that because you're bad or you are being bad. And that as you're growing up and trying to grow as your brain is trying to grow it, all it hears and takes in is you were bad and don't speak. You're to be seen and not heard. Right. And that has implications down the road. I mean, it's so interesting, those things that we remember. And you were just three or four at yeah. that time. I was I was just three. And I just remember it. It, it just, you know, vividly, you know, with my doll in hand and, and, and such. And it's just uh, it's just one of those things that I remember when I look back and that's kind of where it started. And um my dad was kind of one of those people that always was trying to keep up with the Joneses also. So he would always uh, try and look, be, be something that he really wasn't. But of course, I, as a young girl, as, you know, a daughter, a daughter and dad, what you want as a daughter, as a, as a, as a little girl, you want the love of your father. That, that father, you know, relationship is critical to a person growing, to a child growing up. And when you don't get that emotional love, uh, you know, just through hugs and caring, you just feel like you don't matter. And that's exactly how right. I felt growing up. Your father I was, was trying uh, to get uh, his, his attention. <laughs> right. Well, I wanted to kind of peel back a few layers on that relationship because I, I found that so interesting because the, the man you were describing was very familiar to me because my father was very much that way. Um, not outwardly demonstrative at all. And, you know, he, a lot of times, and when you describe the energy change when he would come home, that yeah. was so much of my experience. We would hear his car pull in the carport and we'd hear the brake go, you know, make that noise. And yeah. my, my sister and I, we'd stiffen like, Oh God, he's home. <laughs> you know? and, that's that's exactly. Be... It's like, oh my God, I, I got to be careful what I say, what I do. I better yeah, he's be at, here. at the dinner table on time. Right. And so I, I totally, you know, related to that. And, and it wasn't that, I mean, thankfully, like in, in my case, I mean, he wasn't physically abusive or anything like that. He, you know, he never struck us or hit us, but I mean, just, he was not, he just couldn't. And it was only until I got older that I realized that he just couldn't, you know, he wasn't able to express those kinds of things, but he really did feel them deeply. And I, I wished I would have known that when I was younger, but you know, of course, so many things you wish you would have known, yeah. but I thought, I thought that was so interesting. And then how you're trying to get that love plays out later in your life, right. In other relationships. So it all kind of goes back to dad, right? It it all goes back to dad, you know, and I was just thinking about that even a couple of days ago. Uh, it's like, you know, it really goes back to him and his love. And I'm always trying with, you know, growing up, I'm just constantly want to be just like him. Uh, he was in sales and I actually, um, one of my excerpts in the book is about me going downstairs and finding one of his sales books, which was uh, Think and Grow Rich, right? Napoleon Hill. And I thought to myself, if my dad reads this and I, I better read this because then I can be like him. I can talk to him, you know? And so interesting enough, I did enjoy the book. But I thought the whole idea was if I could be like him, speak like him, he will he will then like me. He'll love me. So if I and it actually worked, <laughs> you know, because he was in sales. And so I just really kind of worked in that whole sales part of it and mirrored him, you might say. And he liked it. So there I felt that I was getting someplace, you know, but yet there was still never that energy of love. I mean, and uh, I didn't put this in the book, but um, just for the for the listeners, one of the things that he did, which people would be surprised is um, like, would you give me a birthday card or give me anything um, like a flower or anything? He would sign it instead of dad. He would sign it. Mr. Jack in love. So <laughs> very <yeah>. formal, <laughs> very formal. 
And it was like, so it was never love, dad, I love you, or anything like that. It was like, Mr. Jack, him love. <laughs> okay. And it, it, it just, and other kids didn't have that. The other kids, they called, you know, um, the, their kid, the parents called them, you know, like they told them they loved them. And they said, you know, I love you, daddy. And, you know, all those kinds of things. And I didn't have that. So that was just kind of a, an overview of what the kind of, of emotion that he would give out. Yet he could be extremely charming and 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 caring um, in in his own way, which again, like you said, I figured out later in life. But it took me going through hell and back to figure that out, unfortunately. Um, so it's uh it's very interesting um, how that plays out with you, and you know when when the when the father is not giving you what you need. Because every kid's different, right? So maybe what I needed was different than what other other kids need. But I needed love. I needed to be known that I was I, I was cared about and that I mattered and I was supported and that I was encouraged. And I really and I really wasn't encouraged to do anything. So uh, I just kind of went through life, even my teenage years, again trying to, and my and my twenties trying to find love, um, and being rejected. Right. And then all stemming from the emotional unavailability of of your father, but that you were later in life able to understand more and forgive. But I, I remember like being in my 40s and then you look back at relationships and you're like, OK, so I recognize that. I recognize that. It's very interesting how, you know, when you start looking back and kind of doing that self-assessment that you describe in the book that you did, because you really have to be able to ask yourself those kinds of questions, right? Those important, oh, you know, you have absolutely. to fess up, you know, you yeah. have to admit. Yeah. And right? I, you're part you know, of it. So many, so many thing, different things happened to me um, that what I was taught uh, by my father was to suck it up, be strong, and just move forward. That was kind of his thing. Um, and so that was something that I, when things happened, instead of talking about them, because there really wasn't any deep conversations in my family, instead of talking about things, I would just, you know, compartmentalize. So I would compartmentalize anything that happened to me, and 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 then it exploded, not in my 40s, but exploded in my 50s, because Again, I didn't look back enough, even though it's so interesting. I always in, in, had been in the positive realm. I, I knew how to smile. I knew how to engage. I knew how to do all that. But I didn't know how to do it with myself, my personal self. And so there was just a lot of loneliness at nighttime. Like when I mentioned like your inner child, you're actually you, sometimes you, you sit with your inner little girl at nighttime and then on the uh, during the day, you wear a mask a lot of times just to get through the day. And I know that there's this through my coaching with women um, that that it plays a big part that they wear a mask during the day and then they're completely somebody else at night. And it's a lot of it is because their voice, they just haven't brought their voice up enough to be heard. And so that's where it all kind of came down to is that I, I fell apart in my 50s. <laughs> so Right. Well, that kind of stuff, you know, and you write about it. So honestly, I mean, you went through some pretty horrible things, you know, and kept that mask on to mm -hmm. have that smoke screen of perfection that you call it out there to the world. But really, the ramifications of pushing that down over the years, it, it's eventually going to explode like a volcano, right? And you said that oh, that happened. Oh, in your yes, 50s. it was like baggies. I was just carrying and, and people kind of can kind of relate to baggies people carry around. Um, and I, but I just kept that bag and I just kept stuffing it in, you know, what, um, when in my 20s, when I was uh, raped twice, you know, different people uh, or sexually assaulted, um, uh, you know, I just instead of dealing with it, or talking about it, except for maybe a couple minor people, um, I just compartmentalized it. I just threw it in the bag. You know, I'll just move forward. Just you know, you know that you know, chin up, get, you keep going. You got to survive. Um, so I've always had that survivor uh, mentality because even when I was a child, being alone, I felt I had to survive because I had to figure things out for myself. So I was actually quite smart, but. I just didn't know how to apply it because I was never pushed or encouraged to do that. So a lot of um, compli complicated areas that 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 came into my life that um, 
I had to really look at later in life in order to change my life to become who I am today. Uh, so in a lot of ways, I am. I feel like it was a gift that all these things that I went through, because I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't been if I hadn't uh, gone through all this. Right, and the and I mean I want people to read the book, so I'm not going to give everything away. But I mean some pretty, <laughs> you know, some pretty harrowing uh, things that you went through, just unbelievable. And to be able to kind of say, all right, you know, suck it up, put your helmet on and mm -hmm. just forge ahead. I mean, that really takes some unbelievable strength to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah, you know, and that's one thing I always felt I did have was strength, um, at least outwardly. Um, I always would show good, you might say. Uh, and that to me was important because my dad was always, you know, he was always, like I said, trying to keep up with the Joneses. He would wear those custom suits and he would be, you know, whether he had a, a money or not, he was always looking like he had money constantly. And so I learned that. I learned, like, just show up, look good, be all right, put that lipstick on, you know, and suck it up and wear that mask and you'll be fine. And the problem is you're fine sometimes. And then you kind of, go through a lot of different things. Uh, and then uh, when you're at nighttime or alone, you um, you cry. Or when you're in relationships, you don't know how to deal with relationships. Um, and so you kind of start to run when people start to see that maybe you might be slightly vulnerable. Right, that mask is hard to maintain. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with more of our conversation here with Patricia Love and her amazing book out shortly, Seen and Unheard. I'm Diane Ray, we'll be right back on unityonlineradio.org. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation today. I'm talking with Patricia Love about her new book. It's called Seen and Unheard. And the book will actually be hitting stores very soon. I'm sure Amazon as well. You can find out more about Patricia at her website, patricialove.com. And you can also find out about her work, about coaching sessions, and what what else she is doing out there in the world. But I really encourage uh, you to check out the book. It's just a, a really powerful story. So we were talking, a, you know, a little bit about, you know, your experience and your relationship with your father and, you know, really going through this process of, of growth and self-inquiry, you know, how you have to really be honest with yourself and ask yourself these tough questions. And one of the things that I, I liked about the book is that at the end of each chapter, you know, there's a question to ask yourself to help help you change negative behaviors and really look at things and look at things honestly. And we can't really change unless we take responsibility for our actions. And is that right. why you put those questions after every chapter just to give people that, hmm, you know, okay, let me really think about this. Give them that yeah, moment. That's, that's exactly because again, it, this is my story, but it, it can be a lot of people's story, just maybe a different version, a different way, a, a, a different person, a, a different situation. And I wanted people to really reflect on something from their internal self that maybe they've been holding on to, um, that they maybe need to look at. Um, or maybe when they're reading my story, something comes up and 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 so it makes them feel uncomfortable. Well, I want them to reflect on that because a lot of those things that that come up and we just you know say oh forget about it and push it back into the bag, are the things that affect us in our everyday living in in life. Uh, because if you know what our um, what we do, what results we get. Um, because sometimes we wonder like why am I keep not getting good results or why am I having problems in relationships or why can I do this? And if you look at some of those things that maybe that you're reflecting on, 
you might find out like there might be a common denominator on some of that besides being yourself. And you're realizing, hmm, maybe I should think that, you know. And so I really wanted people to be aware, because awareness in life and about who you are is so important. It is. It's so true to be aware. Yeah, awareness is a, uh, it's acknowledgement and being aware and being truthful with who you are. There were so many interesting themes that came up in in reading the book and what we talked about a couple of them in in the last segment but one of the beliefs that that came up that i thought was interesting and, and especially for women was that you had to be the pretty girl and that was enough you know your parents sent you to modeling school and and kind of imprinted that idea on you when you were young that okay well you know you're you're pretty your looks can take you where you want to go and how damaging do you think that belief is? Huge. <laughs> uh, yeah. that's, it's huge because there's more to me than just your, or more to people than just their looks, obviously. And I know that we people say that all the time, but unfortunately with media and, and, and television and everything, they're always showing the pretty girls and the handsome men. I think that a lot of times that, well, especially for girls, and especially when you're young, you so want to be the pretty one, right? And we're always so hard on ourselves, picking ourselves apart. Oh, I'm too fat. My hair's too curly. I'm this, I'm that. You know, we're never really satisfied. And it seems like there's so much stock and value put in your looks, your appearance. You know, that's your value in, in how pretty you are. Exactly. And unfortunately, that's how we're looked at as value, unfortunately. Um, I, it needs to change, obviously, but it's still happening today. Uh, that you know, everybody was trying to do, especially now with selfies and different things. And so the prettier you are and the things you wear, but we all mature. We're just getting some drop ins and outs, but we're gonna keep rolling with it. Can you okay. can hear me, right, Patricia? I can hear you. I just hear uh, there, there's a lot of uh, like rain noise. Almost it sounds like. Yeah, there's rain noise, and then also the heater popped on. I mean, a heater in San Diego. What is happening? <laughs> like this is the, yeah. So I I want to say, turn off the heater. If I could yell to my husband, if he'll hear me. But anyway, we'll we'll forge on because. No worries. You know, this is this is yeah, part we'll of make, life. We'll make this, this happen. It's so important to just you know you go with things and different things. But I just want to just reiterate that, you know. We are so much more than a pretty face. Uh, and fortunately, I was told that, uh, and, and did, you know, do you just, you know, don't worry about, you know, getting an education necessarily. You can, uh, you know, get married and all this and all. Right. They it, need to be pretty and they can need be to do this because they, they don't realize that they're going to, things will change uh, in life. And you have to love who you are inside which will then automatically start loving you on the outside. But you've got to be that have that awareness on the inside because I would as I was aging, it was like love myself enough. Right. It's important it's important to learn that lesson. It really is. Because the looks are going to fade eventually. Yes. And you need it's more important how you look on the inside. You know, you can be the most beautiful person in the world and be horrible, you know, and be just Absolutely. really ugly. And it's the voice on the inside that tells us ourselves because everybody else is telling us that that is kind of like my father saying it to me. Well, now our father, the fathers are the social media of the world and they're telling us, you know, uh, you, you don't you look funny, you look fat or you don't look good. And that pays a huge part on your self-image and your self-worth and and it, it it's still prevalent to this day it's, it's i think it's even worse uh, than it even was when i was growing up but it's something that uh, women need to to really look at right that's so true so we're going to keep trying maybe if you move a little closer to the mic or jeff i'm talking to my engineer if there's anything we can do to fix the connection i don't know if that's yeah. possible but well, again, it might be again because of the rain out there, because I can still hear your rain outside. <laughs> it's really pouring. Yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. 
Oh, what can you do? But we're, we'll keep That's going because right. I what want people to do? be able to hear a little bit, hear a little bit more about about the book and about a lot of the lessons that you share. You know, and one of one of the lessons that kind of came through in several of the experiences that you shared in the book. I mean, personally, I've always learned more from situations that were painful and I hated than from situations that I loved. There, there always seems to be that lesson. And, and you share a story about, you know, losing a job you loved at Northwest Orient Airlines. That was like, this was it. I've, I've had the, I'm at the pinnacle, you know, and at the same time you go through this uh, horrible breakup and just everything seemed to kind of fall apart shortly after that. And, and what did you learn from that experience, from that painful experience? Well, the uh, when I on the Northwest Orient, I unfortunately did not learn at that time. <laughs> uh, that was probably one of my most painful uh, situations, and I blamed a lot of it on my father for years and years and years. And again, some people won't even know about it till they read the book, uh, if they read the book. So it's uh, so at, at that point, I didn't learn a lot because that was in my twenties. Um, and so that was one of those things that was compartmentalized. But, but the uh, as I grew older, the breakups and the different things, I had to really get true with myself. I had to realize that there, it's not just the other person. You know, I can't be blaming everybody else and everything else for my my problems and why I haven't gotten in certain places or why do I keep sabotaging myself. I had to realize and become aware. I had to acknowledge. I had to acknowledge my truth. And that was hard. Um, because like you said, you know, acknowledging the pain, and that's where you learn. But we don't always want to go there because we don't want to realize that maybe we're not perfect. Even though we know, you know, intellectually, we're not perfect. Emotionally, we believe we are in a lot of ways. Well, I'm, you know, I'm fine. You know, we always say I'm fine. Well, in most cases, you're not fine. And it it comes out either in relationships or how behaviors or how you speak to people, uh, how you get jobs or how you don't get jobs. Um, it it and it came to a point in my life I had to actually take my power back, you might say, and that's what I talk about is that we all have that power within, and we have to take it back and listen to it and move forward. Right. It's that's such a great lesson. And I think we can all look back at, at some of those really painful, you know, horrible experiences and then see, you know, the, the lesson that you're able to learn from it. And then hopefully that that will make you stronger. And yeah, you're you in it. It's hard. Mentioned, it's hard when you're in it. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's really it's really hard. It's it's the most painful things that you can go through. But I mean, generally, I've always learned you know, more from those kinds of, of situations to really find out, you know, what you're made of. And I, I wanted to, to, you know, bring up one of the relationships that you share in the book. You know, you mentioned that you had two much older siblings and you were particularly close with your older sister, Ginger. And can you tell us about that relationship and some of the things that you learned from her? Yeah, she was, uh, uh, she was my angel, um, still is. And she, she was. She actually was my protector, and I'm. I actually believe she came into this world to look out for me. Because if it hadn't been for her, um, I would have felt alone. Um, I would. I mean, even more alone. Uh, she would just show me love. Everything was non-judgmental. Everything was okay. I could really do no wrong. Um, and she just was that sister that everybody wants and 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 it wishes for and i just didn't have her in my life long enough uh because uh she died when i was 29 and which is kind of in in my 20s where everything was kind of going crazy uh which was a dev devastating um situation for me because that was my first real real uh close loss um, and, uh, I just was beside myself, but she was an old soul. And I believe it to this day that she is next to me. I've had a lot of things happen to me throughout my life that showed me that she's there. I mean, physical things that have happened and, and that I know that she's there still watching over me. And it's interesting. I have photos of this, of my sister and she's always, when she's with me, she's always looking at me. 
She's, it's like she's always in protection mode. And I just believe that there's people brought on this earth to get you through some things. And she gets me through things even to this day. Right. She's there with you in spirit. And I do I do believe that that that's possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, even for animals. And I have to say, I'm a cat lover, too. And you mentioned uh, your close relationship with Hula. your pets over the years and, and particularly your cat Hula. And yeah. I think that there can really be that kind of that kind of cosmic connection. And, and do you feel that that he's looking out for you as well? Oh, absolutely. That was Hula, my little girl. She was uh, she she passed along with her, her sibling at 18 years of age. And uh, yes, uh, between her and my sister, there was cosmic forces that were happening that changed my life between uh, that literally uh, the day that I basically broke down and thought I was losing everything. Uh, Hula came to me, put her paw on my hand, and I looked at her and she spoke to me. And I swear to God to this day that the energy flew up through me and it was warm, it was bright. And then I wrote the, I wrote the, uh, my five words down that I didn't even know that, uh, why I wrote them down, you know, and they are now have come, have come to fruition where this is what I coach and the words are acknowledgement, forgiveness, mindset, accountability, and perseverance. I wrote those down that same night that I broke down to break through, you might say. And, um, I didn't know why I did it. And, but now I know. (laughs) So it's, it's amazing. If you will now I allow things to flow and, and really try to listen to my intuition and really look for inner peace every single day um, and it's really made a difference in my life. Well, you're definitely able to let, let things flow, especially during this interview and radio show today <laughs> <laughs> with like weird, weird sounds, blowers in the background, rain outside and, and you're just a pro and you just kind of roll with it. Um, but oh, you can just to go back, it. <laughs> <laughs> it is sometimes it's all you can do. Um, but to go back to those five words, you know, you mentioned in the book, those are five life changing words. And yep. that, that all kind of, you know, came through when, when you hit rock bottom, but do you, when you, when you teach that, I mean, do you, do you just share that those, those three things or those five things are just really important in being able to, you know, move forward and, and go with the flow? Well, there, of course, there's a lot more involved than just the five words. But, you know, each word you go deeper into, obviously, but those are five basic words that one needs to do, I believe, uh, to move forward. And, and acknowledgement is you've got to acknowledge your truth because it's like it's like bills. If you don't open the bills, you don't know what what you owe. Uh, so you're it, it's it, it's if you don't acknowledge that maybe you've had a part in a relationship uh, that maybe you were the one that maybe wasn't the perfect person or maybe you didn't talk or maybe. So you, there's it's all part of that. So it goes quite it goes much deeper into it. But I believe that when you can change your behaviors of things and this is by, by using these five words, you can start to change your behaviors and move forward because you understand the why behind a lot of it. And then when you understand your why's then you can say, ah, okay, now we can move forward and your mind will be clear for mindset, you know, because you can't change things until you fix the things that are broken. Right. You know, one big thing that really stops a lot of people from achieving their dreams, and I'm sure you find this in your clients, you know, when you're working with people, you know, the big one is fear of change and just being stuck in in your habits and, and beliefs. How have you mastered this? Or, I mean, maybe mastered is being presumptuous. I'm sure it takes a lifetime to master this. But, you know, I I, I think I do pretty well now. And uh, I've actually just changed my attitude, uh, a lot of it, and how to, uh, I, I look at words differently. Like, for instance, change. Instead of saying, I hate change, I say, I try to say I embrace change because change is constant and there's nothing I can do about it. So why don't I make change my friend? As soon as I decided to do that, changing wasn't as as hard because I wasn't fighting it. And change is something that happens all the time. It's like words. I just I also use words because I'm kind of a word nerd, not a gr- grammatically wise, but a word nerd as far as I, I 
I like to use the word choose. I choose to do this because it gives me a control. It gives me a feeling I, I can do anything or I get to do something. I get to do the laundry. Some people don't get to do laundry. I get to eat this. I've changed a lot of those things which have, have empowered me. And because once I've acknowledged everything that was kind of not so good, I needed to also then re-empower myself and have my voice heard to the world. So it's it's an ongoing. I have I mastered it? No, but I I, I try every single day to move forward and do the best I very I, I can. Yes. No, I, I love that. You know, that theme of words matter is kind of the thread, you know, weaving through a lot of the book. And I love that you bring that up. You know, I, I worked for Louise Hay for a lot of years, for 11 years at Hay House. And her big message, you know, was affirmations and what you say and and words are very important. And I had never paid attention really to that for a long time, you know, until I started working there. And then I thought, wow, look at these, look at what I am saying, you know, look at what I'm affirming to myself, look at what I'm saying to myself. And once you really become aware of that, it's, it's like a light bulb goes off. It's life changing. It's, it's life changing. And and it feels better when you say, I choose to do something rather than saying, oh, I got to go do this. You're choosing, you're, you're in, you're putting yourself in control. It's like, I'm choosing to not have a drink tonight. That way, people can't say anything to you. If you say, oh, I'm not drinking tonight because I'm dieting or something, they're like, oh, sure, come on, you can do it tonight. You know, when you say to them, no, I'm, I'm choosing not to tonight, you put you in control. And that's the yes. game. That's really the game because you build confidence that way. And one thing, the last thing I want to say is, you know, words are important, but you have to feel the words. It's like gratitude. You can't just say the word, I'm grateful for this. You've got to feel the gratitude in what you're being grateful for. You gotta feel the words. And so that's the difference between affirmations that work and affirmations and words that don't. Yes, that's a great point. Very true. You really have to have to feel it and and believe it. And things things can change. And, and you also say that a lot in the book as well. It's possible. We can change. And the other big lesson is that we are worthy. You know, we're all worthy of happiness, success, financial abundance, and that we are enough. And it's so sad that so many people and and a lot of women, but a lot of men too, you know, we feel that we need to be more, that we're not enough than what, of what we have right now. And and I think that's really sad, isn't it? It, it, It's very sad, but I found that the best way to, to kind of beat that, you might say, is really being present. And you have to tell yourself to be present because again, we're like a, we're all like on hamster wheels, right? But if you can ground yourself and just be present and be thankful and really thankful for the toothbrush that I used this morning, because some people don't even have a toothbrush uh, for this and for that and feel it, that's when the abundance starts to come. That's when the inner peace begins to come because we all really, whether we're abundant in money or abundant in love, we all truly just want to be peace, have inner peace within ourselves. And if you can learn to do that, life changes and opportunities open and obstacles, you know, you find ways around obstacles. And there's a quote that I want to leave people also with too is, is it's by Wayne Dyer. And you probably know this one, which is one of my favorite quotes is if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change that, that, that quote you can utilize in any area of your life or any situation, because sometimes we get too focused on it has to be this way. But in reality, let's sit back and say, Hmm, let me change the way I look at things on this one. What can I do? So it, it it's really how you perceive things. That's true. I think isn't uh so you would you would say perception is reality. Yeah. <laughs> would that yeah, be true? I mean, or but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But also it's just the fact that you know, um if I'm in a situation and I think how am I gonna get out of this, I have sometimes you have to look at things from instead of looking down at the flowers, maybe you need to look up from the roots. So it's just changing the way you look at things and then actually things might be different and you can actually go at things in a different way. Maybe there's another opportunity, another, you know, there's another way to get around that obstacles, obstacle. So it's uh, it's important to really be aware of what you're saying to yourself and what you're thinking, too. So awareness is also important. The words you say, 
Um, so many, there's so many different things, but I can tell you once you've done this and you, and you can believe in it and, and truly acknowledge your faults and, 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 and you can forgive people and you start changing your mindset. I'm going to, I will tell you that life truly opens up in so many different avenues. I couldn't be happier. And I'm, I'm 68 years of age now and I am the happiest I've ever been in my whole life. And I plan on having another 30 years of it. That's so great. I love I love that message. And we we can be happy, right? I mean, I know there's some philosophies out there that life is suffering and and granted there is a lot of suffering in this world. I mean, you can't look around and and deny that. But there there's also a lot of beauty and and a lot of a lot of joy that can be had as well. And I love that you shared that Wayne quote. <laughs> That's one of his <laughs> best ones and he could quote anybody. Yeah, um, I've, you know, wor working with Wayne and um, the, the time that I did, he knew more quotes than anybody. I know, right? He, I love him. Could, I love him. Oh, my God. He could <laughs> quote, you know, things at a drop of a hat. Thoreau, sure. Emerson, sure. He knew all that stuff. But he but he believed it. And, and that one definitely, I think, applies to everybody because we can all take a shift and maybe look at things through a little bit of a different lens. So we have just about exactly. two minutes, but... I wanted to, um, first, I want to thank you so much for, for joining me on the show and sharing your story. It's, it's such an honest memoir. You know, I really related to a lot of things in it. And I think a lot of, a lot of people will as well. Um, you know, especially a lot of women out there, if they read the book, they're going to see themselves in a lot of the things that you experienced and you are a coach and people can work with you. So what's the yeah. best way for people to get in touch? Can they book sessions online? Absolutely. And you can just go to patricialove.com um, in the coaching menu part of it. And I give a, you know, a free consultation. So to see if this is something you want to do or not do. So and I'm an open book. And uh, so I'd love to have people just if they want to just chat with me and, and see if that's where they want to go or not. So they can do kind of a introductory call or meeting with you or yes. Zoom or something like that and yes, see if free. things are going to work. And because uh, I certainly want people to connect, you know, because if you're with a coach, you want to be able to connect with that coach. You want to make sure that this coach is going to work with you well. And so that's important to me. And because um, I'm here to support women and help them deliver well, I wish you so much success with the book, and I hope people go and check this out. PatriciaLove.com is the website. The book will be out shortly. So definitely give it a read, seen and unheard. And thanks so much for joining me for the show today. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.